If you have your copy of God's Word, why don't you take it and turn with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, fourth book in the New Testament. And uh, it's fitting that we here we are at the first Sunday in a new year, the first Sunday in a new series of studies in the Gospel of John. And let me just uh, give you this word of warning. Uh, you might want to buckle your seatbelts because this is going to be uh, Lord willing, as, as long as the Lord tarries long enough for us to finish this book, it, it's likely going to be a really long series. Uh, because I think this is a helpful way, it's been my conviction, to help help teach the church through books of the Bible. And the Gospel of John is an incredible book that God has given us in His Word that we are taught from and taught by, and our lives can be shaped by. Part of my Conviction too is to help you learn how to read your word, read uh, read the word, your Bible, and so part of the strategy of preaching through a book of the Bible, verse by verse. I've done it already. We went through Philippians, we went through Jude, a Jude tiny book, right, compared to what we're looking at here in John. But part of part of the strategy for preaching verse by verse through a book of the Bible is to help you learn how to read your Bible. It's not helpful, it can be helpful from time to time to pick your favorite verse and read it or to pick a passage here, to pick a passage there and to hop, skip and jump around the Bible. Uh, But it's most helpful for you to read through a book of the Bible. And so part of my conviction and and part of my helping you understand why I'm going to take a long time to go through the Gospel of John if the Lord gives me breath to finish and days and, and weeks and months and probably at least a couple of years to finish the study, um, it will help us. It will benefit us for having gone through the Word verse by verse, methodically reading the Scriptures. One of the things that could benefit you, and I would encourage you to do this, because we're going slowly, you could get a notebook or a journal, and you could write out every verse of the Gospel of John in your own handwriting. The, writing out the scriptures is an incredible way to help, to help it come alive for you and to help you remember it. And wouldn't it be incredible that in a couple of years, uh, Lord willing, at the end of this series of studies, that you would have a journal filled with your handwriting of God's word. And I would just encourage you to do that, that, that after today's message, you go home and get a notebook, or tomorrow you make a special trip to the store to get something you'll keep and hang on to, a nice journal, and write out today's passage in your own handwriting and do that every week. That, I think, you will be blessed by. It is one way to learn how to read the Word, uh, to journal it, to write it out in your own handwriting. We just came through a season celebrating Christmas, celebrating the birth of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, Christmas is an opportunity. It's an incredible opportunity to be reminded of these wonderful things. And yet, as God's people, we come every Sunday to do that, to be reminded of the the incredible blessings that are ours with God's Word. And so it's not just Christmas for believers in Jesus Christ. It's every Lord's Day. And again, if you do what I'm encouraging you to do and read your Bible every day, it's every day you have an opportunity to be reminded of the wonderful gift of the birth of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. Jesus came to earth and lived a sinless life and was crucified, taking the punishment for sins. And by his death, which we just were reminded of, he conquered sin. 
He conquered death and hell and the grave. And by his resurrection, all who believe in him are justified, are saved. Not everyone believes these things. (laughs) Um, You know that, don't you? You, Not everyone believes these things. In fact, if everyone believes these things, churches would be full. Every church would be full on Sundays uh, that, that preach the word of God. They would be full. But not everyone believes these things. Some say Jesus was a bold uh, character in history, a bold, maybe even, a, they might even go as far as to say Jesus was, he was a good man, a prophet uh, even. They would say he was a good man. Um, a, or, or they would say he was a wise man. Some would even say that. Uh, pastor and author Mark Dever makes clear who Jesus is. He wrote a book. In fact, he wrote two books, and he's written a lot more than just two, but but one book he wrote was called The Message of the New Testament, Promises Kept. He also wrote one about the Old Testament, but the one he wrote about the New Testament is called The Message of the New Testament, Promises Kept. And in there, he challenges people who think that Jesus was, as he says, he's challenging this thought that, uh, that, of people who think that Jesus was a heroic leader who challenged the establishment of his day, someone who provokes feelings of nostalgia, as we recount sometimes true, sometimes mythologized school day stories. And then he adds, it's commonly believed that Jesus was a great religious leader. We could say that he was. Jesus was a great religious leader, but that's not enough. We're not going anywhere near far enough to think of Jesus in terms of just simply being a great religious leader. There have been many of those, and none of them were God the Son who went to the cross for sinners. It may be true that Jesus was a great religious leader, but that's far from telling the whole story about who Jesus is. So as we begin this new, as we begin here, uh, this new series in the Gospel of John, I want you to turn with me. You're probably at chapter 1. I want you to go with me to chapter 20. (laughs) Just for a moment. Chapter 20. I want to start in chapter 20 this morning because this is where we find really the overarching theme or the big idea. This is helpful to think about. When you read, read a book of the Bible, try to figure out what's the big idea. You can figure it out by reading it carefully. You can also figure it out by letting others help you figure it out by reading a good biblical commentary that will help you understand the big idea. And so we're going to kind of jump to chapter 20 just for a moment so that we can get the big idea of the Gospel of John. Look at verses 30 and 31. Inspired by the Holy Spirit... John wrote this, chapter 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Simply stated, 
John's purpose in writing this gospel is to persuade people to believe in Jesus. So the overarching theme of the Gospel of John is believe in Jesus, believe in God the Son. You may not be a believer today. You may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. You may be skeptical of the claims of the Bible. If that's you, I hope you'll keep listening. Keep coming and hearing these messages in the coming weeks about who Jesus is because the Gospel of John will reveal the truth to you about who Jesus is. And it's important that you hear God's Word and listen to what the Bible reveals about who Jesus is because what you choose to believe about who Jesus is has eternal consequences. If you are not now a believer My hope is that learning the truth about who Jesus is will persuade you, convince you to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, John's gospel also goes beyond believing in Jesus. It's just the start. Believing in Jesus is just the beginning. The gospel of John goes far beyond believing in Jesus, and it helps you put feet to your faith. It helps you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. It will even correct you if you're backsliding. It will, it will help fix your thinking on Christ and bring you back to a faithful walk with Christ. It will help you if you're lukewarm in your faith and you're struggling in your faith or maybe you're doubting at times. The Gospel of John will help give you a firm foundation for your faith in Christ. And for you as a believer in Jesus, being grounded in your faith with the truth of who Jesus is will give you the the firm foundation you need to walk faithfully day by day with Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, with His Word as your guide, with His Spirit filling you and, and helping you learn how to apply the Word to your life, guarding your walk with the Lord until He calls you home or returns for his church and and the gospel of John will guard you from being complacent in your faith when you when you become fully convinced of who Jesus is and reminded of who Jesus is and corrected in your thinking at times because our thinking can can creep away from the truth if we're not careful the gospel of John will help bring you back and center you back on the truth of God's word and can even help bring you back from a backslidden state if that's you who is Jesus We might ask, who is Jesus? John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote what he did in these pages before us and asserts that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God. how, How does John reveal Jesus as the Son of God? How does he do that? Now you can go back to chapter 1. Let's turn back to chapter 1. In chapter 1, we find there are seven names or seven titles for Jesus that each identify him in a special way. These seven names make it clear that Jesus was no 
ordinary man. These names also make it clear that He is God the Son. He is God's Son. He is the God-man who came to earth and took on human flesh, God in flesh. Now, Lord willing, over the next seven studies, we'll look at each of these names so that we can learn together what they reveal about Jesus and how knowing these names will strengthen your faith in Jesus and strengthen your walk with Christ. The first name John uses to describe who Jesus is, we heard it already during our time of communion. The first name John uses to describe who Jesus is, we find in verse 1. But I want to look at the first three verses together. Follow along with me as I read uh, John 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. There's the first name, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus, the Word. Now, why does John call Jesus Christ the Word? Isn't the Bible the Word of God? How can Jesus be the Word? Here's how. The Bible is the written Word of God. It is God speaking to you in writing. It's the written Word of God. And Jesus is the living Word of God. The living Word. The Word made flesh. Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. That's exactly what John declares. If you move your finger down to verse 14 and look at verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That sounds familiar because we often come back to it at Christmas time, but it's fitting that we come back to it often as believers to remind us of who Jesus is. And that points to the first way John's gospel makes clear for us who Jesus is. John calls Jesus the Word because Jesus is how God revealed his mind and heart to mankind. Here's the idea. Uh, Words mean things. (laughs) Words convey meaning. Words are important. We ought not be careless with our words. We ought to be thoughtful with our words. It's one of the reasons I encourage you to be readers of God's Word and readers of books that are reminding you of the truth of God's Word because words are important. It will help you if you gain an understanding of words and especially of the Word of God and how it applies to your life. Words convey meaning and we share our thoughts with words. Sometimes how we share our thoughts with words can be very helpful, can build people up, can be very encouraging. Sometimes the opposite is true. Sometimes our words tear down and they harm and they hurt. 
You can get into a lot of trouble with your words. You can wound with your words. But you can also speak truth with your words. You can speak words that help bring comfort, help bring healing, help bring light to the the darkened heart who, who has not believed in Jesus Christ. And even though words you use are made of nothing but letters, they are powerful things. Words are powerful things because they convey convey meaning and thought. And so the fact that Jesus is the Word is, is a very good thing. That Jesus is the Word. This is good because God is revealing His mind and heart to mankind. How incredible is that? God didn't have to do that. He could have kept himself hidden from us and we could have wandered around wondering what's going on in this place we live in. But God has revealed himself to us with words and with the word, God the Son. Now, how does God do that through Jesus? We celebrated Christmas. We celebrated his birth. We just observed the Lord's Supper together. Uh, That is an act of worship. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper together and remembering what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, those all teach us about who Jesus is. They also teach us about the mind and heart of God. Both the birth and the death of Christ, as well as the resurrection, they teach us, they communicate to us God's mind, His heart, We ought to be grateful for that. The birth of Jesus was God putting on human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And in his death, Jesus died that we might be forgiven our sins. And in his resurrection, he was raised from the dead that we might be justified And we learn something of the mind and heart of God through those actions of God, through Jesus Christ. We learn something of the the mind and heart of God when we read in John 3 and verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, a holy And a righteous God cannot tolerate sin. The price for our sins must be paid. And so we learn through Jesus the word that God loves. And he loves so deeply that he was willing to sacrifice his son for our sins. We also learn something else about the heart and mind of God in the next verse in John chapter 3, and that's verse 18. Verse 18 tells us that whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. If you believe in him, you're not condemned. If you disbelieve, you're condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the path. Jesus 
opens up the way and brings forgiveness of sins and eternal life through his sacrifice for our sins. And we only obtain that wonderful gift. We only obtain that forgiveness of sins and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. You must believe in the name of the only Son of God. And so so this is incredible. Through the living word of God, through the living word, Jesus Christ, you learn that if you will not believe in Jesus Christ and accept the loving sacrifice for your sins, then you are condemned to suffer the eternal consequences for your sins. Nobody likes to talk about that. Nobody likes to point at that truth. And yet God does in Christ. He poured out his wrath on his son to save you from your sins if you will put your faith in him. And so the living word of God brings grace and truth. How amazing is that? Which is what John points to here, going back to chapter 1 in verses 14 and in verses 17. Look at those verses. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That sounds like the passage I read from 1 John, doesn't it? Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. So God communicates through the Son, the Word made flesh. The flesh that dwelt among us reveals his glory, full of grace and truth. Not just grace, not just truth, both. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God communicates By the Word made flesh. Jesus Christ, the Word. We also learned that the living Word will return. And again, this is not a truth that we like to think about much, is it? But this is a necessary truth. We learned that the Word will return in wrath and judgment to judge those who reject Him. John says in chapter 1 and verse 14, that the person who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That's a reminder that there will be a time of judgment and no one will escape the judgment of God. Revelation 9 and verse 13 points to this coming judgment like this. Uh, He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. So the Word of God, God made flesh, is God communicating to us the truth, showing us his love, showing us his grace, but he also communicates to us his wrath. His, and, and be careful here, God is not unjust to be wrathful, against sinners who have defamed him and lived a life of sin against him. We are all 
sinners in need of saving. And so these are glorious words. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, you are grateful that you are spared the wrath of God. And it also sobers you to to be concerned for your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus as Savior because they will face the wrath of God, the just and righteous wrath of God. And so Jesus, the living word, reveals the heart and mind of God. And you ought to be grateful to God that he has chosen to make himself known in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You ought to thank God for that. Praise God for that. And trust Jesus with your life. And here's the next thing that John reveals about the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the word, is also timeless. This is important. Jesus, the word, is timeless. You realize that God created time for you and me? God doesn't need time. We need time. Somehow, it helps us to turn the calendar from December to January every, every December 31st or January 1st, right? To turn that calendar. Somehow, that helps us. We think, hey, a new year, a new opportunity. And that's great. That's fine. But you realize God doesn't need time. Jesus is timeless. Jesus was not created is the point. He was not created. He has existed all along from before creation. Verse 1, look at it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. At creation, at the beginning of time as we know it, Jesus was there. Jesus didn't appear on the scene at, the, at his birth in human flesh. He was, he was there long before that. In fact, verse 1 sounds a lot like the first verse of the Bible in Genesis 1, 1, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then a couple of verses later, in Genesis 1, 3, we learn that God created by the power of his spoken word. But here in John 1, 1, the Holy Spirit moves John to tell us something we don't learn from Genesis, that the word through which God created everything was Jesus. It was Jesus. Look at John 1, 3 again. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We hear a similar truth from the little book of Colossians, chapter 1 and verse 16, where it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. Second Peter 3 and verse 5 reminds us that the earth was formed by the word of God. All of this is a powerful word of encouragement and a powerful reason to believe in and entrust your whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is timeless, which also reminds you that he is in control. We just heard that in those verses I just read. 
He is not controlled by anything or anyone. You ought to thank God for that. He is instead in control over all things. Now note the third thing we learn from John. Jesus is God clothed in human flesh. Clothed in human flesh. It's it's clear here and throughout God's word that Jesus was certainly not simply some, as Mark Dever says some people believe, a heroic leader who challenged the establishment of the day. John says it in verse 1 in simple words so we we couldn't possibly be confused. When the Holy Spirit moved him to write these words in verse 1 of John 1, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God the Son. God incarnate. That means God in human flesh. That boggles our minds, doesn't it? How can this be? It's certainly a mystery to our human way of thinking, but it's no less the truth. Jesus Christ was not a mirage. Jesus Christ was not a ghost. He was not an illusion, and he was not made a made-up figure of someone's imagination. John says it like this, speaking for himself and the other disciples, and here we come back to the verses that I read at the Lord's Supper. 1 John 1, verses one And to that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Jesus was living and breathing God in human flesh. By the miracle of the virgin birth, Jesus Christ was revealed to us, God in human flesh. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And God is still with every believer in Jesus Christ through the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, through His indwelling presence in all who believe in Him. But He came first to earth in the flesh. And had he not taken on human flesh, he would not have been the sacrifice on the cross for sinners. Had he not taken on human flesh and denied himself of the opportunity to spare himself from being crucified, had he not taken on human flesh and lived a sinless life, he could not have died on the cross for our sins. And so I ask you to think about these questions. Is it important that you understand and believe that Jesus, the living word, reveals to you the heart and mind of God? Is that important? Is it important that you see Jesus, the living creating word, and having no beginning or end? And is it important that you understand and believe that Jesus is the living Word of God? He is God in flesh. Important? That's an understatement. Critical. 
Critical is more like it. It's critical that you believe. The consequences of belief or disbelief are eternal either way. As Jesus said himself and made clear in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And earlier in John 11, in verses 25 through 26, he said, Jesus said to her, I am the rection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This earthly flesh dies, but we'll be eternally with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if our faith is in Jesus and in Him alone. If you're not a believer in and follower of Jesus Christ today, what will you do with Jesus? Will you believe the Word become flesh and be saved? You can believe in Him today, right now, and I pray you will. What about you if you're if you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, and yet when you look at your life, you realize your life isn't really living like you believe in Jesus. What will you do with this truth? If you're a follower of Jesus today, I would encourage you to remember every day that you serve the risen Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord, What he accomplished by his birth, his death on the cross, and by his resurrection was only possible because he was first the Word made flesh. He is worthy of you devoting your life to serving him. He is worthy of your faith. It's The difference between your eternal salvation, believing in Jesus, or your eternal separation from God and punishment for all eternity, which is not a pleasant thought for us, is it? But what a joy is ours to know that we have the Word made flesh in Jesus Christ. And this is just the tip of the iceberg in the Gospel of John.